hello, good morning. I mean, if you're listening to this in the morning, good morning. Welcome back. I am so excited and thankful to have you here with me today. (laughs) Okay, let's kind of get into it. What has happened in the past two weeks? I feel calmer and I feel more energized and I think that I've kind of cracked down on a proper routine and like hear me out it's a little bit ridiculous because for some people the hours would not work for them but for me personally I feel like I have gotten into this incredible groove so I don't know if I've spoken about this before. I feel like I am someone who like thrives in the morning. I love mornings. I'm a morning person. That's when my brain is working. I can get the most done. I'm also the most active. I like working out in the morning. Well, not like 6 a.m. workouts, but like, hear me out. I'm a person that should be awake between the hours of 6 a.m. until let's say 1 p.m. And then that's when I kind of like go into slow down mode. So with all that being said, I've gotten into a routine where I get into bed at 9 p.m. and I am asleep by 10. So if that's closing my eyes at 9.30 or 9.45, whatever it is, I am asleep by 10 o'clock and I am naturally waking up at 5.20 Last week it was 5.20. I was waking up every single day at 5.20. Then this week I've been waking up. Okay, so I'm recording this. It's a Tuesday right now. So, so far the past three days, I'm including Sunday, I've been getting up at like 6.30. So that's actually kind of made things a little bit slower. So I think I'm going to try to wake up at 5.20 tomorrow. But I am getting things done. I am feeling so much more energized and happier and calm. I don't know why. It's like I get up, I let myself doom scroll for a little bit, but then it's not like I've wasted, you know, my whole like morning routine because then I can like fully get up at like get out of bed at six, do my face stuff, read, make a coffee, drink, get to some emails, And then the calls start, but I've had so much time for me until the calls start. And I think that's so important. And I think that that has completely changed my energy levels. And like, I mean, I think like twice last week I went on a walk before my call start. It was just really nice. So I just wanted to share that with you. And maybe you've tried that in the past and it works for you. But if you haven't, just give it a try. Again, the key part of this all is I'm not setting an alarm. I don't like alarms. I think it's a very like shakes you up in the morning. But yeah. Okay, so remember the last episode I kind of spoke about wanting to start a book club, kind of, sort of. Well, first of all, not as many people as I expected messaged me about it, but... I went out and I got some really great books. They have been self-help books and self-improvement books, and I will be sharing with them. I would like to make a goal of reading two books a month and seeing how that goes. So I'll report back on that. But so far, I'm finishing up 
All About Love by Bell Hooks. And then after that, I think I'm going to be reading either Becoming Supernatural or Think Again. So if you've read any of those three books that I just mentioned, hit me up. Let's talk about it. Okay, what else? It snowed yesterday. It was a lot and it threw me off and it made me really anxious and frustrated because it is mid-April and that should not that should not be happening. But anyways, with all that being said, I am incredibly excited for today's episode. It is with a very close friend of mine. It's with Asia Grant of Redo. So for those of you that don't know about Redo or don't know about Asia, we're kind of going to get into all the things of what she does, what the brand is, and how she got her start. What I really love about her journey is that she started off in a very corporate environment. Like, I'm talking New York City corporate life, which is very scary for me to even fathom just because I get really intimidated very easily <laughs> and I can just like totally picture what what her like work life used to be and it just like <gasps> yeah it makes me gasp so we're going to talk about that so her background prior to starting the brand how she does goal setting for the year and the importance of goal setting and how she manages day-to-day life anxiety. So this could be, this is what we, our focus was around work, managing projects and our social life. We talk about what her favorite thing about running her business is and what are some of the biggest challenges. And then we get into ways that she and I are both able to incorporate our creativity and how we work, because I think for her, you know, being the creative director of her brand, so much of it is creative, but she also does need to be focusing the business side. So it's how she's merging both of them together and yeah, what's inspiring her. And that is all we kind of both go back and forth on giving some little advice pieces here and there. So I really hope that you like this episode. It was so much fun for me to record because, you know, her and I speak quite frequently. And, you know, when we do speak, it is a lot about how our days are and, you know, work stuff. So it's kind of just like a little peek into a conversation of, you know, what's going on in our lives. So I'm going to stop talking again, rambling, but hope you guys like this episode. And if you do, I would absolutely be over the moon so happy if you can leave us a review on either iTunes or Spotify because they really help me out. So let's get to the episode, people. Before we get into today's episode, we have a quick message from our sponsors over at Acid League. 
Acid League is an acid-driven food and drinks company with experimentation at its core. Founded by an interdisciplinary team of food scientists and entrepreneurs, Acid League strives to bring culinary creativity to the curious home cook. Merging gastronomy with gut health and refusing to compromise flavor or function, enjoy the flavor trip with their living vinegars, innovative condiments, and wine proxies. A new take on non-alcoholic wine and the ideal weeknight dinner drink when you want something special but don't need the alcohol. For a limited time only, get 15% off your first order at acidleak.com with the code LEMON15. Now, back to our episode. Hi. Hi. How's it going? I'm good. The sun is shining. The sun is shining. It's fall spring here. We had this thing called like a swill mm-hmm. and there was essentially a blizzard here in Pennsylvania yesterday and we had a blizzard here on Saturday morning and I woke up so shocked and confused mm-hmm. and I didn't know what was happening, but I kind of feel like there's always that one before everything finishes for good and then we're in springtime you know yeah I completely agree and I'm excited for that someone actually reached out to me recently and was like can you do some like Mother's Day content I'm like when is Mother's Day (laughs) but yes I can do Mother's Day content crazy sure of course yeah sounds good that is soon okay well first and foremost Asia I want you to introduce yourself sure I want you to talk about what you do how we got here, how we connected. Let's talk about Redo. Let's talk about you. Tell us all the things. Of course, my dear. Hi, everyone. My name's Asia Graham. I am the co-founder and creative director of Redo, which is a line of vegan skincare products and scented objects that are inspired by connections, emotions, and nostalgia. We started the brand back in 2019, me and my best friend from college, as a way for us to actually just maintain a working friendship in adulthood since we're both super type A. I went off to IBM after I graduated and he went off to get a degree in computer science as a PhD. So we really just started this company as a means to make sure that we talk to each other every single week. And then we kind of blew up in 2020. Um, We won the Glossier Grant for Black-owned businesses. We did partnerships with Facebook and Google. We were in the New York Times gift guide. And I left my corporate job in October 2020, and now I do Redo full-time. Okay, so how did you get started with Redo, and what was your background before? Like, I know you were working corporate, but Mm -hmm. something like, you know, you do a lot of scent formulation and creative stuff. That's not what you went to school for. This is something kind of like you picked up along the way. So what were you doing in university, in college, and then after that? And then how did, it, how did you kind of like get to where you are today? Sure. So I'll caveat all of this with when I was in college, I knew 100% that I did not want a corporate job like at all. And I was fighting tooth and nail to do everything that I could to not have a corporate job. Now in hindsight, I'm like, wow, corporate jobs are actually really important because they teach you structure and like give you a network and all of these things. But you know, everything is uh, hindsight in 2020. But I went to school for marketing and I changed my major like a lot. Um, I went to Penn State, which is like the biggest state school in Pennsylvania because I grew up in Pennsylvania. 
And I thought that I wanted to go into finance and do like private wealth management and just be around a lot of money. And then I didn't like how many hours people worked in that industry because I really like to sleep. Otherwise, I don't function. Then I was going to be supply chain management, which would have been really helpful for my business right now. But then I didn't like how boring it was and I didn't care about like trucking and logistics. So I ended up with marketing. And in my program of marketing, I was able to do a thesis around whatever topic I wanted to. And I was really obsessed with like Korean cosmetics and skincare during college and specifically packaging design. Okay, good question. How did you get into skincare? Because I also, I actually didn't find myself, well, no, this actually would be the same time because you're three or four years younger than me. Dear, I'm only two years younger than you. Are you? Yes. I'm okay. So, no, but that makes sense. So when you were in, when you were a junior in college, did you get into skincare? I was always into skincare, but yeah, like sophomore, junior year. Okay. So that's when I got into skincare too, like mm-hmm. apparel. And I, I blame it on into the gloss. I blame it on into the gloss and I blame it on Soko Glam. Oh, what is that? Soko Glam or um, what's the other one? There's another one that is like, the cool K-beauty wave, but I'm Asian, so I'm half Asian, so skincare has always been like this big deal in my house, but also my love for skincare came when I was like super, super little, so I've always grown up in like predominantly white areas. My father has always been very concerned about like my personal self-worth and self-image, so starting at like five, because I'm also an only child, so my parents were like trying to figure out ways to keep me entertained. (laughs) What were you doing at five? Like little masks? My dad would buy me like things from Bath and Body Works and like, I don't know, like the body shop and stuff. And on Friday nights, we'd watch cartoons and I would like open up my parents' like really big, lavish like bathroom. And I'd be like, it's Spa Asia. And like they would come in and I'd be like, okay, we're doing like this clay mask. And okay, we're going to like paint our nails and stuff. So skincare and like taking care of my skin as like kind of like a group ritual has always like just been a part of like my upbringing. Shout out to my dad. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay. So you were into packaging design and I was into packaging design and specifically like luxury. There was never a luxury program at my school, but I was like, I have taste. I love like really expensive things. Mind you, I had no taste. Everything that I wore was terrible, but I wanted to pretend that I had taste. And I studied abroad in Milan studying fashion design, but I wanted to know why people made the emotional investments in the things that they purchase and like how that really resonates with who they are as individuals and then how brands and companies communicate that through packaging. Um, so I was looking at it from like the, the realm of skincare in Korea because it's marketed very differently than skincare in Western cultures, which is very like elevated, chic, use caviar, like diamonds. Like if you think of like Estee Lauder or like, or L'Oreal, like they're very like shiny, glitzy, glammy, like aspirational versus Korean and like Japanese cultures, they'll use like anime and they'll be like very cutesy and they'll be very like little pieces of fruit um, and very like poppy pastel-y colors. So I was like, okay, I did like a whole ethnographic study on the different ways you can use cute to like create brand warmth and like brand connection with customers. And I went to Korea and I like got 
gold mask facials for research and I like slept at spas for research. But yeah, that was that was my college experience. And then I left and I went into uh, to UX design, which funny enough kind of tied into my research of just like why people do the things that they do. And then left that job because I didn't like it. And then I thought I wanted to go back into finance. So I started doing the same type of research at like a boutique financial consulting firm. And I didn't like that either. (laughs) I mean, we all have to try so many things before we stick with something. I think we're always a work in progress. Amen. Right? We're a work in progress. So it takes a while for us to figure out what we like. It's going to take this entire life. (laughs) Yeah. An entire lifetime. Exactly. An entire lifetime. So then you were like, okay, I want to start a skincare brand. Oh, yes. Okay. So I would bully with love my co-founder at school all of the time because he was a he was a cybersecurity major. And I was like, hey, make me an app. And he's like, no. <laughs> so every year at school, I'd be like, please do this for me or like, please start this project with me. And I always wanted to start a company, but knew just based on my personality and like how kind of air sign brain I can be where I'm like, okay, let's think about this thing. Let's do this creative, shiny thing. I'll jump all over the place. And I needed someone to kind of ground me. I needed a co-founder and I knew 100% that I needed a co-founder. So when I graduated and I took that job at IBM, the sole purpose of that was so I could move to New York and have enough money to sustain me living in New York and to save enough money to then eventually quit so I can pursue and like follow my own thing. So I graduated in 2017 the idea for Redo and the first time Alejandro actually said yes to starting a project with me was November 2018 because I bothered him for just over a year saying we need to do something together. And then we launched the brand in July 2019. So it was pretty quick. What is that? November, December. And then it's like, I guess, nine months, right? Like a baby. I cannot, we had a full-blown baby. <laughs> the baby was conceived and then the baby was born. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was really just like, let's hit the ground running. Like, let's figure out every single little thing that we need to be able to do with very little money because he was graduating from school. And I was like, I have, I can like spend this amount of money each month coming out of my paycheck to be able to create this thing. And yeah, we had no idea what we were doing, (laughs) like complete transparency from the founder story. Like we had no idea. We like didn't know marketing strategy or like all of these other things. I just knew what made people really excited about a product. And I knew that I wanted it to smell really, really good. And I knew I wanted to position it as like a luxury good. And I took all of my research that I had from school and like my papers and all of my like thesis work and just kind of like poured that into redo and then we launched okay so this is like two things so you what's so interesting is that you kind of came into this with that business background which so few founders actually Mm -hmm. have especially makers like you know people who their first skill set is creating and then they have to figure out all this business shit. And I think that's what like really ruins them. But for you, it was kind of like that backwards. So it's like, you have the business stuff and it's like, how am I going to learn all these, like how to formulate, how to do that? So let's talk about how you kind of like realized that you can do sense. And I'm, I literally butcher this term and you know, I butcher. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about that. Sure. So before I say what the term is, yes, I have a business background, 
I tell this to my professors because I'm still close with them now. And I tell this to everyone that's listening here because they, some people like say, oh, I don't have a business background. So it feels like, you know, I have a crux. I'm like, my business background low key was a crux because how you learn business in a classroom is not how you actually execute business in the real world, especially when you're like starting a company. Nothing is like as easy peasy, lemon squeezy as they make it seem in a textbook. So it's okay. There's a lot of learning. Like There's so much learning I still learn and gather from operating my business on a day-to-day basis. But to your point, the terminology that you were looking for is synesthetic. Okay. Can I try to pronounce it? One yes. <laughs> synesthetic okay but why did I ever think it was like synesthesia or something like I literally would not speak proper when it's I okay. It. it's okay it's synesthesia which <laughs> is the actual condition so very very close but for those that are listening it's a condition where your senses are blended which means like one sense will then trigger a reaction in one of your other senses. So for me, that looks like the fact that I can hear, taste, and smell in colors. So I will associate a sound with a color, a smell with a color, and flavors with colors. And I will use that basis to develop all of our scent concepts. So it's it's a lot of fun because I can like watch movies, I can listen to music, I can go to restaurants. And I can kind of see a through line between all of those experiences based on what color I interpret them as. And that's how I kind of like approach all of our storytelling and scent development for Redo. Okay, but how did you know you had this? So I thought this was a very normal thing. Like, (laughs) I thought this, I was like, oh, yeah, 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 of course, this cake tastes yellow. Or I'm like, oh, my gosh, this song sounds like pure white with like pops of blue and like sprinklings of gold at like these points. I thought it was a very like normal experience and I don't see it because there's some people with synesthesia that will like visually see it outside of their minds and they'll like see it around them. For me, it's like more of like an internal and like in my imagination. So like if I had kind of like a, a weird, if you've seen like Google glass, how you can kind of like see things, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like that in my head. So it'll like kind of just like be a sensation that I feel like, yeah, that like feels yellow or yeah, that feels like brown. And like how I've talked to you, Michelle, like you as a person, your energy is like very pink. And then other times it's like very green. And then sometimes it's very purple, but that's essentially the only three colors that you are. Sometimes you're blue, but like not very often. Wait, I thought Um, you only saw green in me. I've gotten to know you a lot more over the last time. I've. when, When did I say that? I think I said that. You said that in the summer. I said that in the summer and that was also very early in our friendship. So like you were green, you've always been very green, but now that I've been able to see like more dimensions of your personality and us actually get to spend time with each other in person, you're also very pink, which I love. (laughs) You said Sid was pink. So I feel like we're all pink. You're not all pink. It's fine. I love pink. Just green is my favorite color. So I just want it to be predominantly green. You are predominantly green. Great, great. You are predominantly green. But yeah, so that's what synesthesia is. I found out because my one friend literally told me, because like I said, I thought it's something everyone experienced. And she was like, hey, I think you're synesthetic. And I was like, don't know what that means. And she was like, yeah, actually, you're like extremely synesthetic. And I was like, oh, okay. Her name's Camille. She's great. She's honestly the best. And that's how I found out. And I looked it up and I was like, I 100% have this. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So 
how did you also kind of get into learning how to formulate soap? Yeah. Skincare products and then also formulating scent. It's like it's one thing to be able to like, you know, okay, this color, you know, this is mm-hmm. how I see something, but then mm-hmm. how were you able to like blend it all together and like create that first scent, which is my favorite? Yeah, I know you're such a you're such a five two nine galley. Something that my art director says very, very often, and when people ask me this, I, I always remember her saying this to me. When people are like, how do you do X or how do you do Y? And be like, I want to be able to do this tangible thing that you have done. For me, anything that's like executed, because I didn't learn any of this in school. I've learned all of this from like YouTube University. That's that's like my best schooling in terms of like actual tangible skills. Elon Musk said you can learn anything on YouTube. You can learn literally anything on YouTube. I will watch soap making videos on YouTube. I will watch perfume videos on YouTube. I will watch how to run an email automation, blah, 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 whatever on YouTube. Everything is on YouTube. (laughs) If you want to learn, as my art director says, she's like, if you want to learn how to design something in in Photoshop or edit a picture, you can learn it on YouTube. What you can't learn on YouTube is how to think (laughs) and like how to be creative and like how to brainstorm and how to collaborate so answer your question i learned all of it on youtube but i think the magic of redo and all of the interesting stuff about redo and why people like it is because of all of like the thinking that actually goes into the formulation of the sense when i was designing the first scent that you love i've never designed a scent before i'd never take a perfume class and i went first online. And I was like, okay, I know perfumes need top, middle, and bottom notes. What are the percentages that I need for each of those? I looked it up. There's a whole bunch of different recommendations. I just picked one and I was like, great, we're going to do that. And then I was like, now I need to like go and find out what scents blend well together because here's lists of things that say they pair well, like lavender and mint or like geranium and something else and I was like okay great these things like mix well together I don't know what any of this smells like I went to a little apothecary in the West Village in New York in the dead of winter and they had like hundreds of hundreds of all of these vials and little scent cards and they had like all of these working professionals and they're like oh yeah we distilled it in the back and they were just so knowledgeable and I just stood there for like three hours until they closed and I just put all of the little oils on each of the scent strips and smelled each of them myself and had the professional smell it. And I'm like, does this smell good together? Does that smell good together? And once they were like, that smells good. I'm like, this is it. And that's how we came to the first scent. The rest was history. The rest was history. But that was the actual execution, like the thought process behind it, where I was like, okay, I want it to smell like New York in summertime was like an entirely different like kind of workflow and and process to get to that idea. Taking a quick break from that episode with a message from our sponsors. Why not resolve to start drinking less today? With Acid League's innovative new approach to non-alcoholic wine, taking a night off has never been easier. Made by an experienced winemaker and drawing on the library of hundreds of homemade ingredients, proxies are redefining what non-alcoholic wine can be. 
top restaurants like the French Laundry, Gramercy Tavern, Joe Beef, and Artillier Crenne feature these complex layered blends of wine grapes, fruits, spices, bitters, and more on their menu. But you can enjoy them with dinner at home any night of the week. For a limited time only, try proxies for 15% off at acidleak.com with code LEMON15. Now, back to our episode. Okay, so I kind of want to get into that, like how you incorporate your creative process into how your work, like how do you merge the two and why is it of such importance to you and then also to your brand and kind of like, what is your process with, with that? Sure. So. At the end of the day, um, I will never, I don't like being the founders that kind of like say that we're selling like the next best thing that has ever been created and be like, you know, this is going to change and revolutionize your life. Um, because I don't really think there's anything new per se. And especially with what I'm selling, I'm like, I'm selling soap. <laughs> you can go to the general store, you can go to the grocery store and you can buy a bar of soap for $1, $2, 50 cents, a huge pack, whatever. So what I think is really important with any type of brand or any type of product is that there needs to be a compelling story that connects with why people would even want to like pay you any attention. So we take a lot of time and energy just thinking about that for our company and how we want to best deliver that message to make our customers feel like, oh, I feel seen. Like the core of Redo is really about celebrating our collective experiences through nostalgia and emotions. Like I know what it feels like to be in love, Michelle. You know what it feels like to be in love. How can we use this product and scent to kind of celebrate the fact that we both know what that feels like and give us the opportunity to kind of bond over that sense of connectivity between us? That's beautiful. Thank you. And then how do you hope to kind of like apply aside from, because like, you know, currently your SKU line is pretty standard, but you're constantly trying to create different like creative anecdotes or juxtaposition kind of like showcase that. So what, what kind of do you see coming next? Sure. So what we call internally, like our, our creative process and like anything that we do, and come out with for redo, whether it's an Instagram post or if it's like a little custom drop or if it's a collaboration, it's like, what type of world are we building? Like, what is the experience that we are delivering to people within this world? Like if you were to, this is going to show how much of a nerd that I am, but I love the Sims. So if you were to like go into our Sims version of the redo world, like, what do you see? What do you eat? What do you taste? What do you hear? And we kind of have these like really fun, organic brainstorm conversations around just our existing SKUs and then what we see the brand being like in the future. Michelle, you know this, like I want a resort and sauna. <laughs> like I want a luxury resort and sauna for all of these things. So it's like, I okay. would love that. I love sauna houses. I love the sauna house. So I'm much. going one to one this evening. Good. I love it. I love your little posts online also when you're like, I'm here at the sauna. And I was like, I need to go to the sauna. Love it. But back to your question around like how how do we kind of like plan those things out we let it come organically we set some like parameters for ourselves to be like okay we don't want to be able to come out with like three product launches and we want to do some collaborations here and there but we leave the the framework a little bit loose just so our creative process can kind of flow and then once we feel like there's something that actually clicks then we just 
put that plan down to paper and like kind of work backwards and work with the creatives that we can we can execute on it with best and then just kind of see how it goes and flows. It's very air sign. <laughs> like your Capricorn eyes looking at me, you're like, oh no, <laughs> needs more structure. I'm like, yeah, you know, we have a good idea and then we try it. And if it works, then great. If not, then we try again. Not the end of the world. Okay. But then leading into that, I know talking about structure, how do you manage kind of like day-to-day anxiety and stress and just the overall pains of being like, a founder and business owner. So how do you manage it when it comes to either work or your projects or even like your social life? And like, how do you even find a balance for social life as well? Because I think that that's like an ever, that's always a work in progress in itself. It's like, you are your work. You're so committed to growing this brand, but then how do you make time for not only yourself, but also, well, for yourself, of course, but also for like, friends and family and all that. Mm. Yes, this is the uh, the everlasting question of life, I think. <laughs> I think. This is what we are all asking ourselves at any given point. And I think also, for me, when I'm thinking about this question, I just take a moment to kind of pause and say, wow, I feel so fortunate that I can even be asking this question of myself within this position. Because if I think about where I was in like 2018, before I even had the idea of redo, I was so miserable (laughs) in my job and like so miserable in my social life. Like I didn't have friends when I moved to New York. I went through like a very like explosive breakup and I was like living here by myself with roommates who I don't know in a city where I don't know anyone doing a job that I don't like. And I just felt like so hungry to be like on my actual life path. I was like, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I need to get where I'm supposed to be right now. And if I don't, then I'm going to be a failure essentially. So I like thinking about like when I have anxiety now, because of course I still have anxiety. I like thinking back to that past Asia because I was like, there was still anxiety there. But that anxiety was very different than this anxiety because I'm like, now I feel very centered in the things that I'm doing and my purpose of my work and my vision. And now the anxiety is like, okay, don't mess it up. (laughs) Don't mess it up. And that's also pressure too. Yeah, yeah. So the way that I kind of manage it is since I, I do a lot of like reflection and kind of planning, the best way that I found is just being very, very present in any given moment. Alejandro actually, so my co-founder said this to me this morning because he saw me getting stressed. He's like, so I've been, I've been reiterating this like monk, this monk-like quote to myself that's really been resonating with me. And I hope it resonates for you. And I was like, okay. He's like, so if you're ever feeling overwhelmed, think about when you need to wash dishes. And while you're washing dishes, think of all of the dishes that you've washed in your entire life. Like it's a lot of dishes. And then think about all of the dishes that you have to wash for the rest of your life. Like that's a lot of dishes too. And it's like, okay, so that's just like a misery, but yeah. (laughs) Like, so you're surrounded by all of these dishes and it's so overwhelming and it's never going to end. But all you have to do right now is wash this one dish. So focus on the present. I think that's what I literally spoke about this on my solo episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I literally said, like, 
anxiety is the nervousness and the predetermined like unknown of what is to come it's like you're trying to predict what's going to happen and you're focused yeah. on like what's ahead and you're not yeah. focusing on the right now because if you focus on the right now the term is not i'm not anxious about what currently is taking place yeah. Right. It's like all in constantly, your it's all in your head and it's all like a predetermined notion. Like, what if this happens? What if that happens? And then yeah. that, and then that, and then it's just like an ever, a yeah. forever buildup. But like, I like- I call it thoughts. future tripping. It's like tripping over your thoughts in the future and you're like stumbling like through your ideas of what's happening in the future, but like nothing's actually happening to you in that, yeah. in that moment. Yeah. So yeah, just wash one dish at a time. Now I just- write my little tasks and I look and I'm like, oh my God, I did send that email. Amazing. Oh my God, I did go on that walk. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh my God, I exercised or oh my God, I called that friend. That's honestly how we're making it day by day. There's no, there's no magic potion. That's it. No, but okay. With that too, let's talk about goal setting. Mm -hmm. We just spoke about kind of like how to alleviate and eliminate that like anxiety and nervousness towards like doing tasks daily, but in terms of like your own personal goal setting for the company and just for yourself, mm -hmm. how do you kind of like implement that in your daily life? And then how do you hold yourself accountable? Sure. So you get what you measure is something that I kind of like to run my life by. You can't just hope for things to happen. You definitely need to plan. And I always get like, oh, if you're planning, you're not being present in the moment. And I was like, no, you can be very present in your current moment because you need to be present in your current moment to know what can happen to you in the future. You just don't need to apply all of the tension, stress, emotion, and judgment that then yields the anxiety. So I am a crazy planner because I just, I found out from my other earth sign friends, they're like, we don't do this. Like you're actually insane. So every December I will block off pretty much the entire month, like an hour a day, 30 minutes a day. And I will do an annual review of the previous year of what I think went well, what I think didn't go well. And I will plan for all of the goals that I have in the upcoming year. And I will bucket them based on like different type of categories. So like health and business and social and travel and finance and all of these things. And I will essentially just have like a manifestation session where I will write out everything that I want to happen during the year and just give like really generic timeframes of when I want them to happen and really high level action item steps that I want to follow to make sure that they do happen. And then I just leave it alone. And then I set up a calendar kind of, um, what is it, a calendar like reminder at the end of each month to just check in in my goals and see how I'm coming along with each of them. And it's just nice because I'm like talking to my past self. I'm like, oh, you thought I was going to do all of these things. And maybe I can pick up this thing because I said that I wanted to do it. And it doesn't really feel like stressful or anxious because it's just kind of the framework of a plan. And I'm the only person that's holding myself accountable to that plan. No one else is holding myself accountable to that plan. So I'm like, ooh, if I do these, it's like fun to be able to check stuff off. But I also kind of set it in a way where there are things that are harder. So it's not like, okay, I just made a whole bunch of like easy goals, like brush my teeth every day or like, you know, call my mom. Like those are things that are easy. But is this something that you're constantly, like I do a list too. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. but I don't refer to it until the end of the year. Is it something that you're constantly referring to, to kind of like have that reminder? I look at it once a month. So at the end of every month, I will look at like, okay, what did I get done this month? Like this year I wanted to pick up squash again because I haven't played since college. And last month I was like, oh, right. I wanted to pick up squash before like spring so I can like actually like play and like meet other people. And that week I just went out and joined a squash gym. And now I like play every week. And I was like, oh my God, I've been saying I've wanted to do this for the last five years. And I've been overthinking it for the last five years. And it took me one week after I realized, oh yeah, I wanted to do that thing. Like, let me just go and do it. Also, I think it's so important to like, to go back to things that you did when you were a child and like brought you joy or even like it didn't, if it didn't like necessarily bring you so much joy back then, but you kind of miss it. It, mm-hmm. it's definitely a release like it, it could be used as a release in your adult life does that make mm-hmm. sense because it's like we have I find that so many of us just like don't prioritize play or leisure. yeah or fun yeah, yeah yeah fun whereas like even incorporating some things that are like nostalgic like when I tried to pick up tried because it's like again I'm lazy but like try to pick up skating again because it's something that I did as a kid not figure skating literally just like ice skating it brought me like so much calmness and also joy because you're kind of like hit with that hit with like some memories and I don't know like not to get like sappy it's just you remember how like easy life was as a kid yeah (laughs) and then you're just like wait this is calming I feel like I'm a kid again oh yeah I like Alejandro again my co-founder always says he's like yo you need to prioritize play and you need to prioritize rest whatever that looks like for you and for me that looks like video games like I was such a like a nerdy little video game kid when I was growing up but I only played Nintendo 64 and my favorite thing was Yoshi Party yes exactly I mean like you should play that now I bet you would sob you'd be like oh my gosh wow I was always the pink Yoshi cute yeah I mean pink duh (laughs) pink and green duh okay so how are you kind of like finding inspiration right now and like what's inspiring you most what's inspiring me most First, did you read that article on AIG, I for Design, about like the mood board and why the mood board is like destroying art direction? Oh, yeah. I love that writer. She's phenomenal. Um, I actually just got a client send it to me again. I was like, did I send it to you? Because I've been sending everyone this article. Her name is Elizabeth Goodspeed. Okay. Shout out to Elizabeth Goodspeed because I actually like shared this with like my professors, like my marketing professors and like all of the art classes I've ever taken. Cause I was like, this is truly a genius <laughs> because she really hits it on the head around like this idea of finding inspiration, but not even letting inspiration be like the free flow process that it is. It's just been like commoditized and like packaged in a way for brands to be like, okay, like we're chic, we're cool. We look like this because we look like everyone else. And I'm like, I am feel like I'm eating unsalted potato chips. <laughs> Not that these images aren't beautiful or like I'm knocking any of the art directors, but I'm like, 
my palate is so hungry for something new that, and I'm like, even as a brand founder, I'm like, okay, like, how are we doing this? Like, are we, are we falling within the same like sphere? We don't have the budgets to be hiring like art directors and things like this. So I'm like, I'm the one that kind of like puts together these campaign ideas, but where I'm finding inspiration now is just going like old, like really old and like never in our industry. Like for Redo, I never look at what other perfume companies are doing, like what other like skincare companies are doing. Cause I was like, the homogeny terrifies me. So I look at like, okay, let me look at like menu design from like the 1950s or let me see like how like uh, niche hotels and motels would design their matchbooks. Or I would look at like, like I have a book here from Terrence Conrad of like, okay, this is how you should like light your house. And I'm like, okay, how do I incorporate these things into designing a scent or like designing a campaign around a scent? But I've been really obsessed with like restaurants and like interior decoration of restaurants and really old fashioned menus. And that's what's inspiring like my next scent development. I love that. Are we going to have a soap smell like a restaurant? I want it to be called the wine bar. So it's really the concept around wine night. Like, why do you go out to wine night? And like, what's, what's your, what's your intention behind wine night? And I'm trying to develop this whole narrative around like, you're hot, you're sexy, you're seductive at a bar, but then you're doing it for yourself. But then you're approached by another person that's trying to like seduce you and then you have this kind of like internal conflict and I'm like yeah that's wine night because also when you drink wine wine is very very complex and you have all these layers so I'm trying to see how I can like marry those things together and like plan a campaign around it and make some soap at the same time (laughs) I'm excited for that thank you as we want to wrap up I think you've covered so much but to wrap up I kind of want to know like because your story is so I feel like it's going to resonate with so many people who you know like are either in school and really don't know what they want to do or you know just got out of college but are like really overthinking their like first gig because they're like my first job is the BL end all and like literally it's not it like doesn't matter like you can pivot at any single moment but what's like the best advice that you would give someone who's like trying to figure out and whatever, like trying to just learn more about themselves and, you know, stressing about, you know, what they're going to be or what industry they want to be in and what they want to do and like in whatever stage that they're currently in. Yeah. I just had a flashback when you said first jobs, um, but I'll say this after the quote. And I think this is different from like our previous conversation, but I think if I were to talk to 2017 Asia, fresh out of school, who thinks she knows everything and still has a very large uh, ego and says that she's going to be the best in the world at whatever she does. Kudos to her, really love her, but uh, was very like insecure about stuff. I would tell her to approach things with a curious mind and to be okay with being bad at stuff when you first start. Because a lot of my stress and anxiety, even to this day, is this false idea that I need to be good at something as soon as I start it. And as soon as I find myself feeling like I'm not good at it, then that's when all of the doubt starts to 
seep in and I'm like, oh, I'm not good enough. I shouldn't do this and I'll quit. But anytime I've approached something with like a curious mind and just trying it out to see what it's like to do it and like understand the process and go through all of like the awkwardness of like figuring out something that's new, the result is always something that's really beautiful and something I'm extremely proud of. And there's no stress (laughs) throughout that entire process because I'm just taking it as it is. So that's what I would, I would suggest to, to anyone that's coming out of college or is having a hard time with something or feeling like they need to pivot in. It needs to be so perfect. Release the vice-like grip, come at it with a curious mind, and know that you don't need to be perfect at something the first time you try it, or the first 10 times you try it, or the first 100 times you try it. You just have to get up and practice every single day. And you need to enjoy yourself, too. You have to. Maybe you don't like that thing also. If you don't like it, don't do it. (laughs) 100%. 100,000%. Well, thanks for sharing this conversation with me. Michelle, my sweet friend, this is one of my favorite things to do. I'm just so glad that we had the chance to catch up. I know. It's always a catch up. Yeah. Life is wild. Life is crazy. I love you so much. I love you so much. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your time. Uh, thanks. You can catch me in Asia one day on Pinterest Live because that's what we love doing. Michelle, I know this is a little bit of a segue, but they actually reached out to me again today and they said, do you want to do another episode? And I was like, I can't wait because I'm talking to Michelle later. So catch us as your favorite Pinterest TV hosts. <laughs> Literally us in the shopping channel and me making people buy redo bar soaps online. It's love so it. Okay, so those of you listening, you can catch Asia on Instagram at redo ny c n y c and your personal. My personal is Asia, like the continent. A S I A underscore underscore grant g r a n t and redo is r e d o u x n y c. Here we go. Amazing. Thank you. Love you so much.